All opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not of the organisation supporting this episode. Hello and welcome to the podcast We Transform Lives. This podcast delves into the extraordinary impact of social entrepreneurship and the business innovations driving change. The series is brought to you by Transform, a unique accelerator programme led by Unilever, the UK's Foreign, Commonwealth and Development Office and EY, which unites corporates, donors, investors and academics to support visionary impact enterprises. We tell the story of six entrepreneurs and their innovative business solutions driving social and environmental change in communities across Africa, South Asia and beyond. This podcast showcases how powerful solutions being created in communities for communities by social entrepreneurs have the power to change the world, if they're scaled and supported in the right way. I'm your host, Ruthie Shah, and in this episode, we're going global. We're focusing on a company that is using tech for good to level the playing field in over 70 countries for local creators. Did you know that while the World Economic Forum forecasts that the handmade and small batch sector will reach $1 trillion by 2024, the sector has historically lacked investment, digitisation and access to global markets. And working to fix this is powered by People, a wholesale marketplace for conscious buyers enabling small batch makers to reach global markets. Joining me to tell us all about it is Hedvig Alexander, VP of Community and Impact and founder of Powered by People. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Hedvig, it'd be great to start off and find out a little bit more about your early life before we delve into Powered by People. What got you to this point? I think um, I was quite dyslexic as a child and I couldn't really read before I was almost 12. And so, but when I then finally could read, I think things went very fast for me. But I, I always look back and think that the sort of this early struggle gave, gave me kind of a drive and I always expected to have to do more, have to work harder, you know, and, and show up more than anybody else to be able to get to where everybody else was. And, and of course, although that was hard as, as a child it, it, in those early years when you couldn't do quite what your classmates could, I, I do sometimes think back now that, that, you know, I think that is, it gives me a little bit more, uh, it gives me a lot of stamina and I don't expect things to ever be easy. So I never get surprised when they're not. <laughs> That's wonderful. And what inspired you to do what you've done to see this gap where you've got small batch makers and then bridge it with global markets, but also using access to tech? I've always appreciated beautiful, handmade, lasting things. I mean, you know, growing up in Denmark, we had the designs we had had for decades. And so there was this interest in things that were beautiful, well-made, and you wouldn't wouldn't buy new things all the time. You would buy really good things and you would keep them forever. And so I always had this affinity for things that stood the test of time, both in terms of quality and design. I was also very interested in, in social change, really wanted to level the playing field. I wanted more a more inclusive global marketing. It's more about how do you optimize these systems to make sure that as many people as possible get access and, 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 and have success. And so in Afghanistan, where obviously a very poor country, um, I saw how particular women who had not had access to an education and, you know, our societies are getting much more technical and people who don't have access to education are just left by the side. And so I saw how if you had a skill or could make a beautiful product, um, you were able to connect with markets and with buyers and with something much bigger than yourself and ultimately able to to build a business, which was really what I always wanted to see where, where were the opportunities to connect 
people who have had less opportunity to the markets and the opportunity the rest of us um, were and still are enjoying. I think to understand and appreciate what it is that you've achieved, it's really important to factor in those wider issues. So can you talk a little bit more about the background to Powered by People and what it was that you were seeing in the markets globally that you thought, here's a gap and I want to improve that? Yeah, so I had a business before when I left Afghanistan and moved to Canada, um, I married a Canadian, and I, I started a business um, that was helping first and foremost the, the businesses in Afghanistan connect to North American markets, and then it became many more businesses out of Central Asia, Africa, and other places. And we did, you know, it didn't do what we do today, but we were more of a brand selling these products wholesale and, 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 and retail into the North American market. But I felt I was missing technology. I'm not a technology person myself, so I, I needed to um, to create a tech, better tech system to help us connect with, with the makers, as we call them. I also really missed access to financing because in the cases where we were doing wholesale orders, many buyers buy net 30, 60, 90 days. It just means that the buyer negotiate long buying terms so that they can actually sell most of the products before they have to pay their customer. It's, it's very well known in, in, re, in retail and the way retail often is run. But of course, I, I was the one who gave those terms because the makers had to be paid when the order was placed, or at least when the order was shipped. And many of these really large buyers I was dealing with, they were so big, I had no bargaining power. I wasn't able to, to, to renegotiate these terms. And so I always thought, I need to run the business I'm running, but I need to run it in a bigger way, it needs to be set in a different way, and I need at least a co-founder, co-founder too. And in 16, I had met this this amazing woman who's now one of my, uh, my co-founders and uh, our CEO Ella, who is um, an American, but I lived in, in in Kenya for almost 12 years. She'd gone to MIT. She was an engineer, but she was very well versed in technology, and she had built this incredible app as a sort of production system in Kenya, but and she could work with many, many hundreds of small producers at once and have them all work together like a virtual factory. And so I thought, how can we take her app, scale that, and then add some financing to it and then continue connecting people to buyers? And so it took me a couple of years to convince her <laughs> to step out of her business and join me. And then our third co-founder is a woman here that also worked for BlackBerry. And so that's how PPP was born. As Powered by People has evolved and it's grown, what have been some of the really poignant moments of success for you? I think actually one um, has happened quite recently. I think we always had this this strong idea, and it's not really a new idea, but it isn't as mainstream as it should be. Um, you know that when you're building a, 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 an enterprise that has a, a large social element to it. So in our case, really our ambition is to lift a whole new segment of brands and producers into the global economy because the market increasingly wants them, but the, the supply chain doesn't work for them. And that's really what we are trying to do with our platform is to solve some of these problems these businesses are having on a grander scale and aggregate and consolidate solutions that will help them. Uh, but of course, one side of our business is the demand, it's the buyers, it's building technology, um, operations and sales systems, you know, that that's a well understood business proposition. That's something we can raise private investment for. People know what we're trying to do. On the supply side, uh, the need to elevate some of these mega producers, digitize them, make sure they look attractive, 
online, that they understand. There's so many aspects when you deal with international trade. We always thought, let's try to get some philanthropists and, and others who, who really want to see those this same segment of people succeed to help us on that side. And I think the year before last, I had written 52 proposals and not a single guess. Well, maybe we're ahead of our time or maybe it just doesn't work. And then suddenly next year, starting with Transform, so thank you so much, um, we suddenly had this interest. And it's interesting, I'm sure you've seen this before, it takes one organization to believe in you and suddenly everybody else does too. It's so interesting because everybody says they, they want to do new things that have never been done before. But I think most people don't. People do want to do things that they've seen before in some way that have a reasonable in amount of, of opportunity for success. And so Transform really, uh, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on this podcast, has been really um, game-changing for us because it has opened up this, this opportunity that we always saw uh, in a way we couldn't have imagined. So talking about Transform and the initiative and how it's helped you, because Transform's not just about funding, it's also about growth, it's about mentorship. So tell us more on how Transform really has had an effect. The way it's it's designed is really fantastic because it, it gives you a, a part of money to test some things, but others wouldn't fund that are incredibly important to your business and to creating an impact that you couldn't raise money for. They also give you the mentorship, as you say, you know, we kicked our Transform program off by meeting the Transform team in Kenya and going around and looking at the business and we meet Transform every week and they really ask great questions. Um, and really help us uh, stay on track and, and, and also explore things you might not have thought about um, and be more systematic and methodic, which often when you're an entrepreneur and you have to get things done fast, you sometimes don't take enough time to be analytic, to think about things in this in a more theoretical way. And then I think the third thing that they are incredibly good at that they don't talk enough about is that they are very, very well connected. And there are so many people that we needed to meet that they connect us to very effortlessly. Um, and so they, they are sort of your cheerleader, and they are, but they're also your connector. And it is really, you know, money and, and, and connections are the two main things entrepreneurs often don't have. They have an idea, they have passion, uh, tenacity, uh, but all the other things are something you have to collect along the way. So I, I really hope a lot of other people look at, our, at, at Transform and, and look at how they could involve themselves, do something similar, uh, because it, it's, a, it's a really strong model. The other thing that's really important is Powered by People has made a huge impact in the local community. So tell us more about that. We work with makers, producers all over the world, are quite sophisticated, and others need more support. There are very big diversity within our group of makers, and we've now managed to link many of them up to really big retail chains that they've never could have gotten into. And what they needed to do that is not only to get the opportunity, but also there's so much in the supply chain of these big retailers that you need to know as, as a maker that many of these makers didn't know before. I mean, we very recently linked up um, a, a great brand in Ukraine of all places with, with a very big retailer and a really significant order. And we've worked on it for, for four months. Ukraine is obviously a country who's, you know, in, in full-blown war, it's, it's even more complicated, um, you know, thing to do. But it just shows the power of, of trade, and of course, places like Ukraine that really need support and, and whose success is so important to the rest of us. I think, 
you know, often when you go into a war, apart from losing people and opportunities, you also lose your trade relationships. And when you when the war is over, you, you don't have these connections anymore. And so we have, we've been very eager to try to help keep these trade connections alive. So very, very delighted by this. Another great business is Itza Wood, really beautiful uh, wooden products, bowls and utensils. And the entrepreneur there works with youth in the jungle, in the Golden Island jungle in Petén. Um, you know, really where there's very little opportunity, particularly for youth, um, you know, the other alternative is immigration. Many of these businesses that we work with really do perform very important tasks in their local society. They are really a very important part of fabric, not only because they keep traditions alive that, that are carriers of heritage and culture and things that, that make us all happy and feel belonging and, and, and value, but also because they create employment as of course being an immigrant or a refugee is a very, very, very hard thing. And it takes, you know, generations to, to create the kind of living standard that people often dream of when they embark on these journeys. Now, the world of entrepreneurship, I think is fascinating, but there must be a lot of misconceptions there. So what are some <laughs> of the misconceptions that you've come across and how have you broken them in order to achieve success? <laughs> I, I think, I mean, there's many misconceptions. I think one is that it's a very glamorous overnight success if you have the right idea. But that is absolutely not <laughs> what it looks like. You make this for yourself. You don't work for somebody else, you know, and so people put an incredible amount of hours into it. You know, it's, it never ends. It's my day start uh, five or six because we have offices in Turkey and India and um, Africa. And so if I have to catch our colleagues out there, and then they continue to long into the night. There's been, you know, particular features of really young entrepreneurs, you know, who doesn't know Mark Zuckerberg or, or, or the likes, that doesn't really happen to, to most people. Entrepreneurs are most often older. I, I read that the, the average age of a successful entrepreneur is about 47, um, and it takes about 10 years to build a good business. Particularly for other social entrepreneurs who are listening, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced and how have you overcome them? There's several channel challenges on several levels. I and mean, that's, of course, bringing your idea dear to life and, and make sure it's the right idea and make sure you have product market fit in it. Because often you, you have an idea, but, it, but you have to, to work quite a bit on it to, and massages to make sure that it, it really works and, and you can sort of move it forward. But I, I think some of the bigger challenges that people maybe don't speak as much about is the internal workings in the business. When you are a startup and you're expected to grow fast, it means that you, you grow, your business grow all the time and suddenly you are twice as many people. So I think as a founder, to, to also grow yourself so you can inspire the team around you to grow is hard. You know, you have to question yourself all the time. You have to level up all the time. You know, everything starts with you. Um, and so I think personally, that's been one of the biggest challenges. It's also very exciting. You get this opportunity to try to grow as a person. I think we all talk about how we love change, but I think <laughs> the reality is that most of us also find change frightening. And you would like to know a bit more about what's around the corner as an entrepreneur. There's these surprises all the time. So I would say, you know, keeping the team together, hiring the right people, um, keeping those people motivated. These are the hardest things. Hedvig, if we think about the value of initiatives like Transform, why do so many social entrepreneurs struggle to survive? Um, how important are these initiatives? I think they're massively important. It's, it's hard to run a business full stop. But I, I do think you can argue that, that 
running a social enterprise where you are not only try to create a return for your investors and your stakeholders, you are also committed to delivering a social impact. So you are delivering two types of value, you know, one more defined by money and one more defined by values or, or you know, the, 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 the promise of, of, of your business to deliver a certain kind of value. Uh, for, for a certain constituency. And that is really important because it shapes the way you take decisions. You you have several things you have to keep in mind when you make these decisions. Initiative like Transform that say, we allow you to do some testing. We allow you to focus on this that maybe some of your private investors wouldn't invest in um, and see how it goes and, and try to create the value you really believe is there faster is incredibly important. Um, it, it gives you a little bit of a break and a little bit of extra support. And then, of course, the thing with Transform that's so magical is that it's, it is money, but it's also mentorship that's incredibly important and really help you shape that journey and think about how you deliver this, this value uh, while also protecting your business. Because often, you know, if, if you get a grant from a donor, they will ask you to do this one thing and they won't think about your business. You know, where Transform is, does this fit with your business? Are you going to do this once the brand is over? Is this really a long-term strategy? If yes, then that's the right direction. So they're very, very disciplined in that way. And then the last thing that's so fantastic about them is also they're incredibly well connected. Bearing all of this in mind and the differences that you've made to these local communities, to these small batch makers, and the support that Transform has given you, what are the plans for the future? To scale. Uh, <laughs> so really, I think I think what we we have about a little bit short of a thousand brands on our platform, and we have so many more that wants to come on. We have taken a bit of a pause in admitting new brands because we really want to take a bit of time to work on some of these um, underlying um, solutions that really needs to be on our platform to make even more value um, to to the makers. So some of the most difficult things for most makers, apart from, of course, running their businesses and creating quality products in difficult places. Uh, imagine, you know, you're creating no light, no heating, and you're lying on your floor, you know, weaving. Um, but, you know, um, it's, it's things like shipping is complicated in the world, but it's even more complicated for, for these makers. So we're trying to look at aggregated shipping models. We're trying to look at warehousing opportunities in, in major markets are so doing a lot of testing on how can we lessen the cost uh, for the makers because it's really we see this as the shipping cost is really one of the things that keeps these products and these types of business becoming much more mainstream in a market that really wants their products another problem is payments as i'm sure many of the listeners know the only global money transfer system is the banking system and it costs a lot of money to transfer and it costs a lot of money for the maker to draw the, the money that was sent into their account. Um, there's lots of tech solutions, but they don't cover the whole world. And so we are looking a lot at how can we integrate with um, regional remittance and other payment system to get um, the payments. These are two of the, of the biggest things that we're working on at the moment. Finally, what's one piece of advice for small businesses, for entrepreneurs, for even individuals that are looking to make change in their communities? What would you say to them? I mean, I would say don't get surprised about how hard it can be. I mean, it, it, that's why you're doing it. And that's why nobody else did it because it was difficult. But but the reward, if you solve it, is is, is big. And, and I don't think we can afford not to, to do this. I, I also think, you know, 
there are ups and downs and I, and in life, obviously, but I think certainly also in being an entrepreneur. Um, and then you have the peaks once in a while that keeps you going. But I would say, don't get too high and high. Don't get too low on the low. Stay in the middle, stay focused. Don't get distracted um, and just work, you know, on your idea, on the people that you need to be able to help you bring this idea to life and be successful. Thank you, Hedvig Alexander, for such a brilliant conversation. I wish you and Powered by the People all the luck. Thank you so much to you and the whole team for having me. Thank you so much to Hedvig for such an inspiring and in-depth conversation. It's been fantastic to learn so much about the work that Powered by People are doing and the incredible difference you're making in people's lives. And I wish you all the luck with your future plans. Thank you to everyone listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and subscribe to it wherever you find your podcasts. If your business is interested in being part of the Transform Initiative and supporting impact enterprises, or if you're striving for change and would like to work with experts to develop your business, visit our website, www.transform.global. I'm Druthi Shah. Thank you for joining us today. And remember that together we can tackle global challenges and transform lives through enterprises that drive impact. <music>